0: My name is jacob savage host it's symbolic i was researching the practicality of getting cease and desist rights against the non-sapient when i received a call about an obscure show that lasted for about two weeks in the early 80s it took me three hours to binge it and when i got
1: there my co-hosts were already on the scene Amir. mirror now i i was i was waiting for her to make the call like am i gonna go <laughs> along with this bit or am i just gonna do my usual thing <laughs> And it was so satisfying to see her just so aggressively and abruptly put down that whole thing and (laughs) shake it up.
0: I thought I'd do something fun for once. Try to spice things up.
1: (laughs) I was so glad in that moment I am not the second person to go.
2: (laughs) You did not uh you just sprung that on us.
0: (laughs) It's called improv. Yes and you like to have an
1: we like to have an air of spontaneity on this show. We we don't... We're, we're not scripted. I'm not sure if this is clear or not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, despite
0: all of those jokes we had about us being scripted last week. <laughs> I mean, that was our April Fool's episode, so just completely disregard anything we said.
1: Like, now all those twists are real, and I, and Ben is still very much dead.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we, we were going to oh, introduce that's me, by the way. twist I'm ben. where
1: one of the twists was actually going to stick, and they were supposed to guess, but... Uh, I'm... I'm Ben. <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow that's a two-minute lead-in good job fellas wow we've i'd say we've come so now, a long so way but we really haven't now that everything that you had attempted from the start just sort of came crashing down where do we go from here jacob i i don't know i don't know it's just <laughs> you like really sort everything of... <laughs> else in my life you brought things to a screeching halt before they even started Mir. <laughs> how about um... how about you try to redirect things now after what you've done to our show <laughs> I'm not even sure which one of us you're talking to. Mir, I want to see her give it a shot.
2: Uh okay. I'm actually quite familiar with the tonight's subject. Oh. Um. We're talking about the 1982 television series Police Squad. Police Squad in color. Starring Leslie Nielsen. Also starring Alan North. And Rex Hamilton as Abraham Lincoln. Tonight's special guest star, Lauren Green.
0: episode, The Broken Promise. In, in color.
1: color. Uh, there, there she, she committed to something. <laughs> yeah, there, there we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's,
0: it's not a suggestion, but to be honest, in retrospect, it was kind of a no-brainer and I kind of hate myself for not suggesting we do this sooner. Well, I didn't know about it, so it's entirely your fault. <clears throat> yeah. Again, not sure which you you're referring to. There, there are two other people that in the conversation.
1: Be, that can be a, that can be a y'all. It's y'all's fault. <laughs> <laughs> you guys southern flavor. Exactly, we're all we're all from the good old South, right? Sort of. I wish you wouldn't <laughs> put it like that.
0: <laughs> we're all from Dixieland. Good God. So, I knew this
1: show, Mir knew this show, you had never
0: heard of this show, Ben?
1: No, I don't think so. I might have heard it in passing mention, and I have seen some assorted, like, images and brief clips from it, but not within, like, a general context of, like, what exactly it's even from. I
2: had not seen it for a very long time, because uh, many, many years ago, my older sister got um, our dad police squad on dvd for christmas this
1: is a rare bit um, of mere history we don't get a whole lot of this <laughs> Yeah,
2: and he was yeah. very excited about that but unfortunately one of the episodes was corrupted and wouldn't play
1: <laughs> this is a um, new copy uh
2: I yeah no, this I was kind like... of the early ish I... days of dvd
0: um I feel like that was just an issue with the whole DVD because I remember
1: having that same issue the first God time. God damn, no. that's crazy. You would you would think they would like send people proper copies after like rescinding all of the broken ones <laughs> after doing like you think they would do a recall of them? It, we were still working out what this whole DVD
0: thing was. It's like a laser disc, but smaller. Small? Then then how does it fit all of that glorious quality on there? Um,
1: arcane magics of some devilish variety. Well then, even if you are
0: not familiar
1: with the show itself,
0: you're probably familiar with what came before and what came after it. I'm familiar with those those terms. Uh, yes, and not even just the phrases before and after, but what actually came before and after. Oh, let's hear it. Oh. Are you familiar at all with Zucker, Abrahams, and Zucker?
1: No. <laughs> hmm. Well. Was that the answer you were hoping can... for? Not
0: really, but I don't know why I expect anything less from you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zucker, Abrahams, and Zucker. Jim Abrahams and brothers David and Jerry Zucker. They grew up together in Wisconsin, which is apparently a recurring theme in their work just this town in wisconsin i never saw it when they were attending the university of wisconsin madison they formed a small theater in 1971 called the kentucky fried theater
1: cool yes
0: unassociated with the chicken of the same name i guess things can be kentucky fried without being the chicken you you never really think about that
2: i'm thinking about it
0: oh (laughs) This was very improvisational, very sketch-based. And eventually, they decided to get into film, so they wrote a script, passed it around, and after a while, they managed to pitch it. And that is how we got the John Landis movie, Kentucky Fried Movie.
2: Say, have you seen the karaoke? It's not a foxtrot or a polka. It has a little bit of blue is rhythm that, it has a meet- it has a meter that
1: is something I should be familiar with it's a good movie
2: I haven't like, seen it but with- I think my dad likes it. <sighs>
0: Yes, with the exception of a single scene revolving around the usage of a racial slur, it's probably one of my favorite comedies of all time. Whoa. That's
1: high praise.
0: And the whole thing is meant to evoke the feeling of basically flipping through late-night television channels. And it's the sort of film you don't really see anymore. Or, really, I I can only think of a couple of other examples It's like, this isn't even sketch comedy in the vein of Monty Python. This is just brief, like, 30-second to three-minute gags that are completely self-contained and never mentioned again. That's actually part of what brought John Landis to stardom. Like, Animal House, Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London? That wouldn't have happened without this movie. Or they would have happened, but would have been very different. I I don't know enough about the film industry to know just how much is the director's vision, as they say. But regardless. This was a bit of a hit, and it led to their next movie in 1980. A little film known as Airplane. The Red Zone is for immediate loading and unloading of passengers only there's no stopping in the white zone no the white zone is for loading and unloading and there is no stopping in the red zone the red zone has always been for loading and unloading there's never stopping in a white zone don't tell me which zone is for stopping and which zone is for loading listen Betty don't start up with your white zone shit again There's just no stopping in a white zone. Oh, really, Vernon? Why pretend we both know perfectly well what it is you're talking about? You want me to have an abortion? It's really the only sensible thing to do if it's done properly.
2: I saw that movie way (laughs) too young.
1: Yeah, same here. (laughs) Uh, I I, I think
0: that's kind of a universal experience. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, huh? (laughs) Like, I remember watching it again. Like, I first saw it, like late elementary school maybe middle school then i saw it again in my
1: late teens and it's just like oh there are a (laughs) lot of bare breasts in this movie i gotta be honest i don't know if like being introduced to it young is with the expectation that we would fully appreciate it at that age or if it's just sort of like uh fuck i'm so tired of these shitty kids stopping us from doing anything (laughs) fun i'm finally gonna do something for me
0: I mean, I I do feel like it's an enjoyable movie, regardless of like it's not a very hard movie to get. Yeah, it's that's just that very fair to say it is higher on the rating system than I thought it would be. The hi- higher on the MPAA had it existed in its current form at the time. Yeah, it's here that not only did Zucker, Abrahams and Zucker get be as well-known as they did. But it's also where they discovered a lot of their staples. Um, The thing about Airplane is actually that it's a parody of the disaster film genre, but a good portion of it is actually taken from the
1: 1957 film Zero Hour. Evidently this is a much more prolific genre than I understand it to be. Especially in the 70s. Oh, that explains it. I was, like, negative 20 then.
0: Yeah, like, the 50s to the 70s, the disaster genre was everywhere. You had the airport movies, you had Towering Inferno, you had
1: Earthquake, you had the Poseidon Adventure. People just don't have enough bad news in their daily lives, huh? <laughs> no, I guess they don't. I, I guess people just, they didn't have the internet yet, so they were like, fuck, I could really use some more just, like... Shitty news constantly delivered straight to my face.
2: Plane hijackings were like way more common back then. For some reason, weirdly, like very common, and it was a lot easier because... and funnier to make yeah, because... comedies
0: based around it. No, I mean it feels like no, a more because all you had to do to go on a plane then was say, "Hi, I'm here to go on the
1: plane," and they would <laughs> let you on. Yeah. Plus, I feel like that's just a very fantastical concept. It's like pirates, but in the air. Yeah, like,
2: D.B. Cooper is fascinating. Like, just the whole case. But that's not what we're here to talk about. So I'll shut up about
0: (laughs) D.B. Cooper before I even start. (laughs) Because otherwise, Mir will make the whole episode (laughs) about (laughs) D.B. Cooper. Yeah, if you go back and compare the two films... Airplane actually borrows pretty much everything from Zero Hour. It uses the same characters, it uses the same plot. Like, if it's not, like, a pun or a visual
1: gag, dialogue probably came from it. So this is more of, like, a a, a Mel Brooks sort of thing than I expect. Yeah, I guess so. A bit more direct yeah, that's not, that's than not the, Brooks usually is. Yeah, that's not the impression that I initially... I always thought it was more of just a standalone sort of thing.
0: But between the source material and their approach to the comedy, it's also where they got one of the biggest keys to their success, Leslie Nielsen. fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Looking back... A lot of the success of Airplane comes from how much of the ridiculous dialogue is said with a completely straight face. Because when you get down to it, it is a very ridiculous movie, even if you take away a lot of the comedy elements. I think that they've stated that one of the keys was getting someone, I can say, we need to find someone who can not only land this plane, but who didn't have fish for dinner, completely seriously. And they got that in Leslie Nielsen. Like, most of the cast hadn't done comedy, but he was one of the big ones, because you never realize it now, but Leslie Nielsen was actually considered, like, not like a big dramatic actor, but definitely a serious one. Yeah, I want to say that prior to the 1980s, he was probably best known for, like, Forbidden Planet and The Poseidon Adventure. So he did have this experience as was already stated saying these strange things completely seriously but in a completely different context anyway airplane was a hit and in turn they got asked to do more productions so they got picked up by abc and decided that after airplane spoofed disaster movies they were going to do a spoof of cop shows Much as I had taken a lot from external sources for Airplane, Police Squad borrowed a lot from pre-existing shows. Namely, M-Squad, which had pretty much exactly the exact same opening credits, and the exact same plot for its pilot. There's also a lot of similarity to shows such as Felony Squad, The Fugitive... The New Breed, which also had Nielsen. And in addition to getting Nielsen back, they got actors Alan North, Peter Lupus, Ed Williams, and William Duell, who were... who had plenty of, once again, serious credits between them. Like, Alan North had done Plaza Suite. William Duell was in 1776, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And in 1982, they got first few episodes of Police Squad. We may as well walk through a standard episode of Police Squad, shouldn't we? Yes. Everything starts off from the opening credits, where we get a shootout with Leslie Nielsen as Detective Frank Drebin, a shootout with Alan North as the Captain Ed Hawken, and then Rex Hamilton as Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> getting shot at. And every episode, we also got a special guest star who did not last outside of the
1: opening credits oh Which kinda... i'm sorry i just sort of pieced that together that <laughs> i realized that they all died in their shots but i thought i was like okay that's just a bit and then they're gonna show up in another role later and then when i get to the actual show i've already completely forgotten all about it so <laughs> yeah look <laughs> like they did get some big names as well
0: yeah like yeah robert goulet william shatner florence henderson This did kind of come back to bite them because they did film one such scene with John Belushi. Yeah. A bit poorly timed on their part. I mean, not that they could have known and they did replace it. Following the credits, we get a crime. Always shown from the culprit's point of view, we almost always get to know who it is right off the bat. Whether it's a Tell her at a credit union murdering her boss so that she can pay off her orthodontist, a crooked boxing match gone wrong, or a bombing at a courthouse. And it is there that we are introduced to Frank Drebin, who is never where he's supposed to be when the episode starts. He's always across town doing something else. And by the time he gets there, his boss is already on the time scene.
1: Well, when I first heard the shot, and as I turned, Jim fell.
2: Uh, he's the teller, Frank. But Jim Fell's the teller?
1: No, Jim Johnson.
2: Who's Jim Fell? He's the auditor, Frank.
0: He had the flu, so Jim filled in.
2: Phil who? Uh, Phil in. He's the night watchman, Frank.
0: <laughs> Fully, Phil had been here.
2: Right, now, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. <laughs> Twice came in and shot the teller, and Jim fell.
1: No, he only shot the teller, Jim Johnson. Fell is ill.
2: Okay, then after he shot the teller, you
0: shot twice. From there, it of course varies from episode to episode. These are all fairly distinct, but they all have their clear points. There are a lot of running gags, to say the least. For example, there's the standard cigarette. Yes, it is. (laughs) Or everyone's favorite. Now let's say such and such. Such and such.
1: Hey, All right, Eddie.
0: Let's say you did go to the movies. Okay. You did, you did go, go to, to the, the movies. movies. Then
2: let's say that you were nowhere near the Club Flamingo. All right. You, you were, were nowhere, nowhere near, near the, the Club, Club Flamingo. Flamingo. Then, explain Almost this. Almost
0: everything that could be interpreted as a pun was. It is surprising some of the stuff that they got from the show. But it's kind of funny because... Unusually for a comedy at the time, in fact, unusually for a series at the time, these were actually made to be shown in a specific order. Every episode, Frank Drebin crashes his car into a bunch of trash cans, and you can always tell what episode it is, at least once, and you can always tell what episode it is by counting the trash cans. What the fuck? (laughs) So just imagine if this had gone on for multiple seasons, (laughs) crashing
1: into a factory. Even just episode, you get to episode 10, and then you have, like, a bowling pin set up. That'd be fun. Yeah, that that would be fun. Alas, it was not meant to be. But by the time we reach Act 2, with an
0: appropriate pun, Trebin has usually gone on to confide with the scientist Ted Olsen, played by Ed Williams. Who's invariably educating his younger friends. In some ways less pleasant than others.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I- I'm not even what? talking about, like, the more. Well, it is a morally wrong one. There's one where there's a cat they're trying to drive. Yeah, you guys aren't
1: a fan of the cat one, huh? The- yeah. You weren't a fan of the cat one.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's also one where he's strapping a little girl into an electric chair. An electric chair, yeah. Uh, that's pretty objectionable, also.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like, the utter cluelessness of all parties involved adds a layer of comedy to it. This experiment will prove the Earth's gravity exerts the same pulling force on any object, no matter what size or weight. Jeez. Let me show you what I've done. The bowling ball weighs 10 pounds. <laughs> Our next-door neighbor, Dr. Maurice Shanebaum, weighs 175 pounds. Are you ready, Dr. Shanebaum? Now Billy I'll set this timer to drop the bowling ball and dr. Shane bomb in one minute so that we can watch from a safe distance oh hi Frank why don't you run along now Billy and next week we'll discuss ten things you can do with a carrot
1: great honest and
0: I'll always send the kids off with instructions for next week's experiments usually involving their mother's undergarments there's one running gag that didn't appear as often as I thought it would it didn't show up until like the fifth episode that just defines the show for me, where Drevin and Olson are walking from one room to another. Olson goes through the door while Drevin just walks around the side of the set.:
2: <laughs> I didn't notice that.
1: Really? <laughs> Wait. I don't know. It I guess I wasn't multiple times.: I guess yeah. I wasn't
2: paying attention.: <laughs> Well, it should have penetrated deeper. Let me show you what we did. These guns are identical to the one that killed Jim Johnson. Watch carefully as I test-fire this gun into these videotapes of Barbara Walters' interviews. As you can see, it completely destroys the Burt Reynolds interview. And everything from, from Bo Derek to Paul Newman. But only up to the point where Barbara asks him, is it difficult to love? Now, let me show you what happens when the
0: gun is fired from three
2: feet. Also, silly silly
0: in every episode, we get to hear from Johnny the Shoe Shine Boy, played by William Duell. My whom...
2: dad's favorite character.
1: <laughs> yes, everything about this show is judged by how much Mir's dad appreciates it. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't we get? Why didn't we get your dad on on here? Yeah, that's a good question. You didn't even ask him. You didn't even tell us. I know. God. Just you know, I feel like we had a general understanding that if we knew any subject matter experts. <laughs> For shame.
0: Johnny the Snitch doesn't know anything. Unless you've got the right price. And every episode after he's helped Drebim with the word on the street, someone else comes along. And Johnny has exactly the right information. Whether it's for open heart surgery, whether it's helping a renowned psychologist, or whether helping just Dick Clark in general. (laughs) With ska. (laughs) Oh yes, with Ska I forgot that it was specifically about Ska I mean, he says it's not going to last
1: Which, he's wrong about that It lives on in our hearts It it always will It always shall
0: What do you know about life after death? I wouldn't know anything about it
2: You talk an existential being Or anthropomorphic deity
0: I I don't. The entire character of Johnny just feels like something out of a Tumblr post. I don't know if I understand that comparison. <laughs> Should also point out that another major recurring character is Ronald Taylor, also called Tiny Ron, as Al, who goes through so much shit in this show. Yeah. We never see his face. Oh.
1: It's, like, it's the ironic kind of tiny. <laughs> Yeah, it it's that kind of Short tiny.
2: Frank. What? Al I want you to throw a dragnet around the entire Lakefront district. Call tactical, have them send
0: you a few more backup units. Right away, sir. And by the way, Al, you're out of uniform again. Regulation headgear only, you know that. Sorry, Pat. Yeah. But despite these recurring themes, every episode manages to stand out on its own to some degree. Like everyone seems to deal with a different kind of crime, really. Heck, there's one about a robbery. There's one about gambling. There's one about a bombing. There's one about mob racketeering. There's... Everyone just, despite keeping the same weird tone throughout, just manages to bring it in a completely different direction. For example, there's the kidnapping episode where a tape has a foghorn sound... But Drebin has a eureka moment and asks the chief to play a comparison from his cassette of famous tuba solos. And it's a match, but it's not going to be easy. The city is, after all, the tuba capital of the world. (laughs) There's also the racketeering one where Drebin poses as a locksmith, where everything just gets so
1: strange it's probably the best episode
2: it's the one i remembered the best
1: it's i mean i think it stands out the most I mean, in that through the premise he's not actually like technically a po- well he's technically a police officer but he is working as the locksmith for the majority of the episode yeah as opposed to just and doing it investigation stands out
0: in that way ah, you're
2: right on time lambikins make yourself a drink baby i no thanks Arch. who are you and how did you get in here i'm a locksmith And I'm a
0: locksmith. Just funny because, despite always succeeding, Drebin is a bit incompetent at a lot of what he does. He is not a very good locksmith. He's not necessarily great at comforting people. With the exception (laughs) of the final episode, where he poses as a stand-up comedian, where everybody loves him... I feel bad for saying this. I didn't think it was that funny.
1: It, maybe That's the idea. <laughs> Just, that's the joke, Jacob. Mm. True. <laughs> but, I mean, this
0: goes on for, like, four minutes of this lounge act. Uh... This early SNL nonsense. Which is weird because it's, like, it feels like the time that Leslie Nielsen was actively trying to be funny compared to everything else which as we said played very straight
2: my sister was so ugly they used to put a pork chop around her neck to get the dog to play with she was also so dumb she came in one time with a hot tar in her hand and she said look what i almost stepped in
0: Hey, that's the last right here. Is that your wife
1: beside you or are you just up on the seat? <laughs> I thought this is this is playing straight his earnest belief that what he is saying is funny. <laughs> while he knows that it is not.
0: Speaking of playing straight, Drebin does not. I I was a bit relieved that they didn't try to like shoehorn a love interest in any sort and yeah really whenever he speaks about anything with romanticism it's usually another man he gets very into telling a criminal's girlfriend exactly what to say to win him over (laughs) he spends like two minutes talking about this guy who he shared living space with so nostalgic about it and it's great
2: Sure, he was a physical education major but he had a mind he could think He wasn't all muscle all body all sinewy limbs he got married you know later had three kids never cared for her sent a nice gift never got a note i know this is a long shot but did he ever eat chop suey i know no he never did and it was just a hunch i told him she was wrong And that youngest boy, (laughs) just like his father, football hero, lived with him for a year, wasn't the
0: same. Can't go back. Oh, poor Mm, rat. Especially for, like, the early 80s, it's playing homosexuality for comedy without really playing it as the punchline, I feel. No? I don't know. Every episode, they would get their man or woman. There were just as many female Antagonists on the show as male and they would be sent down to the statesville prison along with every other character that they arrested in a previous episode listed in reverse order every time and every episode we would get a lame joke and we would get a freeze frame in a sense because it's not so much a freeze frame as the actors standing completely still does someone who has had to do that on stage, they do a very good job of it. Yeah. They, Which is why they had to go and try to ruin it, of course. Yes, every episode, everything just goes wrong. Like, a convict tries to escape while everyone else is frozen. <laughs> they freeze in the middle of pouring coffee in one episode. And <laughs> oh, one episode one was... in the back... Th- what?
1: No, the, the the coffee one got, like... <laughs> That's that's I, that one got me. I felt I felt bad for them in that one. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> y- you have to
0: hope that that was the only take they did of that scene.
2: Yeah. I liked the one where uh Norberg walks in late and is like trying to figure out what to Find do. Find a spot
1: to fit in, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: which,
0: which is just how I feel in life in general. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Of course. Like that that particular ending serves yes. as a good metaphor. And I, I feel like Ben's actual favorite is one where earlier in the episode, they brought in a chimpanzee <laughs> as a culprit, and during the epilogue, they are interrogating it in the back. And of course,
1: nobody told the monkey about the freeze frame. No, this monkey is a real amateur. It's, it's embarrassing stuff, really. <laughs> So it's just throwing paper everywhere, and it's beautiful. I do genuinely—I I was just wondering at the time, and I'm still curious. If they trained the monkey to do that, or if they're just sort of like, let's just let this chimp fucking go out and see what happens. And even more than the coffee, this is one where I feel even more terrified for the actors, because it's like, they don't know what the monkeys are going to do. Monkeys are like pure fucking madness and muscle in one horrible, hairy package. <laughs> That monkey gets set off, and it's your face that gets clogged the fuck off. I would be shitting myself. Oh, God. I, 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 I like the idea that they just let the
0: monkey do whatever it did, and it just decided to amuse itself with the simple joys of throwing paper in the air.
2: I have to assume the monkey is also an actor.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay, I don't know enough about that industry to really judge about the monkey's acting pedigree. I don't know, thinking about it just makes me kind of sad, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Appropriately enough, the final freeze frame just has the set collapsing around them.
1: Oh my god. I'm gonna say that all of these got me, but like, this one really did too where they started like throwing ceiling tiles and stuff on them and... That
2: was the second to last, I think.
1: No, it was the last. That was the last. Second to last was last was the coffee.
0: I I don't know if this was intended to be the last. They did talk about shooting another which involved the set burning down around them. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> they just I I I'm sure that they were very conscientious about the actor's safety, but you wouldn't know it. <laughs> no, I was scared for them. <laughs> this show debuted in March of 1982 and was canceled in March of 1982. Jesus. How did that even happen? The first four episodes aired, it was cancelled, and they aired the other two episodes in July. Why? How? So, the president of ABC Entertainment did give an official reason for why Police Squad was cancelled. Do you want to know what that reason was? No, in fact, guess what that reason was.
1: Why do you think Police Squad was cancelled? Was there some sort of, like, event in the news regarding police or something like that, or... Some sort of scandal or something? I don't know.
2: I was going to say something about Reaganomics, but I don't remember what his actual, like, reign was. Or, uh, oh shit, what's the presidential thing called?
1: <laughs> nah, reign works, that's all right.
0: <laughs> I think that was after this, actually. Yeah, he was
1: in office by then.
0: Oh, okay. But, no, the official statement was that Police Squad was cancelled because the viewer
1: had to watch it in order to appreciate it.
0: Oh my god.
1: You know what, I I, I get what they're saying. I'm, I'm with them on this one.
0: Really what they said is that just that the viewer has to pay a lot of attention to the show yeah. to get a lot of the humor, and a lot of other shows at the time did not have that requirement. This is a real intellectual show. <laughs> I'll admit, there were a ton of jokes that I did not That's true. realize would be in there. Like, we would be halfway through a scene before we realized, wait a second, the Eiffel Tower is visible through the window. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff in the background that just never gets commented on, it's and just... that's like one of my favorite kinds of gags, really. It's just, it's, yes. it's,
1: it's just funny to think about this being referred to as a show that you need to pay attention to to get a lot of the jokes, when so much of the humor is just like so stupid. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Which, I, I mean, love I love. It.
1: I'm super into. Yeah,
0: a lot of it is just... I feel like the key to it is just that it's this weird world and everyone's just going along with it. There is no typical straight man.
1: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely not. If, if this yeah. was made
0: today, there would almost certainly be that person just like, well, don't you see how weird this is? This isn't normal. Yeah, I appreciate
2: that there's no straight man.
0: It, it's what makes it work. Admittedly, a lot of people have theorized that the official reason given was a cover-up, and that the real reason that Police Squad was cancelled was because they were afraid that it would cause police dramas to not be taken seriously anymore. God forbid. (laughs) Because Airplane had essentially killed the disaster movie genre. No shit, huh? Oddly enough... The writers of the show were actually pretty relieved that it was canceled because they were terrified that they would not be able to keep up that same level of quality for more than the few episodes that they did.
2: Yeah, I feel like it would be difficult to keep up for an entire show.
1: Yeah, we were even commenting after watching it that it's sort of like a lot of the running gags and jokes are sort of like, well, how long can you keep it up until they sort of wear thin? Because, you know, those sort of running gags, they have this weird trajectory where it's like, it gets funnier for a while, and then it sort of feels like it's running on long, and then it gets funny again, and then it's like... there's It's a dangerous game. Like it's, it, it's a very dangerous a way game. To play it.
0: The show... Was very well-received, though, at the time. Like, even though it was cancelled so quickly. It was actually nominated for a couple of Emmy Awards. Huh. Like, both Lead Actor in a Comedy Series and Outstanding Writing in a Comedy Series. Which, it did not win either of those. I think (laughs) they both went to Taxi that year. Which, I have not seen Taxi, so I cannot... Neither judge accordingly. This was not really the end of Police Squad. Because really, just a couple of years later, it was released on home video. And between that and the reruns, people started to pick up on it. They just realized that ABC was just kind of needlessly cruel to them. Now, Zucker, and Zucker had done other work by this point. They had directed Top Secret and Ruthless People. But in 1988, the characters and plot and a lot of the gags were transposed over to the film The Naked Gun. Nielsen, Taylor, and Williams were the only people that stayed on for the series. The role of Captain Ed Hawken was given to George Kennedy, and famously, Officer Norberg was played by O.J. Simpson in the films.
2: Johnny the now, Snitch just wasn't there.
0: Even he has his standards. He wasn't going to be bought out by big Hollywood. Yeah. The Naked Gun used a lot of the same jokes, a lot of new ones, very funny
1: film if you haven't seen it. I have not. I very much enjoyed the show, so I ought to do that.
0: Yes. And it became so popular that they made two sequels with the same cast. Naked Gun 2 and a half, The Smell of Fear, and Naked Gun 33 and a Third, The Final Insult. This is funny because they were actually considering, upon cancellation, just taking episodes, linking them together, and releasing that as a movie. Some of these were actually filmed and can be viewed in official media. Um, A series of advertisements in the UK with Leslie Nielsen for Red Rock Cider pretty much did the exact same thing. With the title changed to something such as Fry- Fraud Squad or Fried Squid <laughs> A lot of similar jokes A lot of new ones And these were actually directed so well That Zucker Abrahams and Zucker approached him To direct the third Naked Gun film And he turned them down
1: What can I get you? Screwdriver.
0: Anything to drink? What's that? Just cider.
2: This isn't just cider. Fraud Squad, hold it, sister.
0: Interestingly enough, the last real appearance of these characters, uh, Lieutenant Frank Drebin, appeared in SummerSlam 1994.
1: Holy shit. That rules. Yes. That really, That
0: rules a lot. Yes, The Undertaker has vanished, and Leslie Nielsen has to search for him. So, the police squad is linked directly to Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, oh my god.
1: god. <laughs> <laughs> That's so- I need to look this up, oh my Any god. ...try to catch some oh. Sorry, Ray. The girls were feeling
2: macho. Macho Man, you're so- Big. Easy now, girls. It's family entertainment. Yeah. I had work to do. I was scanning around the globe for clues to the biggest mystery of our time. The sun was extremely
0: bright.
1: If you're deductive, it goes without saying, fresh, really,
0: like that police squad left its mark for as short as it lasted. It has actually been theorized that if it debuted today, it would be a big hit. I can most definitely see that. Yes. Yeah. And I believe that it was actually cited as a big influence on Matt Groening. So a lot of early Simpsons has police squad influences. Which is why to some viewers it may not seem as innovative between like the quick visual gags and the weird stuff in the background. But from a more modern standpoint, it's definitely worth checking out. It only takes, like, three hours to watch it.
1: Oh, yeah. For the amount of time it takes to watch, it's all, like, very well worth it. There's not really any episode that stands out as particularly weak or anything like that. No reason Mm. not to just blast through it. So it may be
0: a bit of a blessing that it didn't continue for longer. Of course, the writers have gone on to their own careers. Jim Abrahams directed the hot shots movies David Zucker did basketball and some of the scary movies Jerry Zucker was the director of Ghost which I was not expecting but as a group they broke up in 1994 fortunately it's a bit of a shame that Leslie Nielsen never really kind of recovered his career in a sense because yeah while doing these really good spoofs brought him into the big leaks and made him a household name, this was followed up by him only getting roles in a lot of really bad spoofs.
1: Well, I mean, I think the the art of the parody film is, is a difficult one, and it's something that's very often exploited for very cheap jokes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a shame. I mean,
0: his later stuff repossessed, Dracula dead and loving it, Surf Ninjas.
2: Hmm. Can I just mention the um lawsuit real quick?
0: Oh, go ahead. I didn't know there was a lawsuit. I
2: Yeah, um the Third Nick and Gun film had a litigation sort of I one of the promotional posters parodied a famous portrait by Annie Libovitz of um Demi Moore where she was uh, seven months pregnant, and um, the parody was of Leslie Nielsen in a similar pose. Um,
0: That's not even a similar pose. That's just Leslie Nielsen photoshopped onto it. Yeah, pretty much. it is very unpleasant to look at.
2: Yeah. So Lebovitz sued Paramount for copyright infringement, but the Second Circuit dismissed the case, and uh, ruling that it was fair use. It was sufficiently transformative in its uh, parody to Is be it? considered art, I guess. Or to be considered Jesus. fair use.
0: God, that that's police squad. There's not really anything else like it. It's completely of its era. It couldn't have been made earlier. It couldn't have been made later. And As cliche as it is to say it's cancelled too soon, it may very well have been. Uh, But we have it to enjoy here and now. Yes. And enjoy it, we did. I absolutely love this show.
1: Yeah. I mean, just, who's on first sort of jokes never get old for me. (laughs) So something of this nature was uh, definitely on brand.
0: Yeah. So you keep on saying, it's just the perfect length nothing outstays its welcome almost every gag hits even if audiences at the time couldn't enjoy it for what it was it's certainly something to check out now Listening to It's Symbolic. If you wish to speak with us on any matters, such as a suggestion for a future episode, we are available on Twitter at It's Symbolic PC or through email at It's Symbolic Podcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram at It's Symbolic Podcast if you want to see a lot of freeze frame pictures and visual puns, I guess. No matter how you're listening to this, be it through Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, or some form of weird avant-garde running gag be sure to leave a rating and review that helps with the algorithms that helps with the criticism that helps us because we feel validated i'm jacob i'm here i'm ben join us next week when we figure out what we're supposed
1: to do with this damn bunny wait fuck is it easter already no <laughs> well, i was that is that what we're going for here? Uh, I I don't know. At least two thirds of this podcast is Jewish, so yeah. Mir, Mirror. Mirror. Uh,
2: Easter is actually like most of the way through the month of April, so no.
1: So no. All right. Why don't I have some fucking rabbit then?
0: <laughs> what What do you have against rabbits? I, I mean, yeah, just I feel like if you're gonna talk about little rabbit is so close to Easter. Why not like go do it on I'm Easter? <laughs> you.
2: Look out! He's got hopping!